0: Oh,
1: and welcome to the If We Knew Then podcast. I'm Stephen Sox.
0: And I'm Lori Socks.
1: And today we have a return guest, Nick Novicki, from the Disability Film Challenge. We had such a great first episode with him. We want to get a little more personal take, and so we thought we'd have him on again.
0: This episode is filled with a, a lot of gems that I've taken to incorporate to make my journey a little bit I don't know, more peaceful more beautiful, and so I can learn and grow from some of the challenges, and we're so fortunate to have him back.
1: Here's Nick. Nick, what a pleasure it is to have you back.
2: Ah, thanks so much for having me again.
1: I was hoping to get a little more personal with you this time around. We had talked about inclusion, and that's kind of a big part of our podcast and a part of the Easter Seals Disability Film Challenge is it's inclusion. How has The lack of that inclusion affected your life?
2: You know, I've grown up as a little person. Um, Oddly enough, though, they didn't know I was a little person until I was two, because my kind of dwarfism, uh, it's not detectable until you're two years old. So they didn't really know I was a little person. Um, But ultimately, I've grown up just being like, this is my world. I'm a little person, and I'm going to do everything. I'm going to play Little League. I'm going to uh, you know, go to recess. And some of that time I spent in a electric scooter. I had a very difficult time walking. Um, I was certainly the smallest kid in the history of everywhere I went. Um, but I didn't let that stop me from living my life because this is all I've known. So I think it's important for for uh, people with disabilities to just get out there, you know, and and, and be out in the world, and I know sometimes it's easier said than done. Um, there are certain places that are not fully accessible, and that's a challenge. Um, I grew up before the Americans with Disabilities Act was passed. Uh, the Americans with Disabilities Act just celebrated its 30th anniversary, uh, it was passed in 1990, and it's really great legislation that has helped Little people live a more fully inclusive life. Um, But when I grew up, I I just did everything the best I knew and had as much fun. And um, my family was supportive. My friends were. And I just I think a lot of times, not just with people with disabilities, it's up to ourselves to have an outlook to say, hey, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to have fun the way I want to have fun. And I'm going to do everything. and I'm going to do it on my terms. And that's not just the disability community. Um, that's everybody in the world that's underrepresented. Um, I I highly encourage people to have that mindset. And I know sometimes it's easier said than done. And there's ups, there's downs. I haven't always been you know, optimistic 100% of the time. I went through junior high, which is a challenging time for me. Um, nobody's perfect. Everyone, even though we see Instagram and everybody looks perfect, nobody's perfect. Everybody has their own issues, things they overcome, uh, things they want that they don't have. So I think ultimately it, it's it's a it's a mindset.
1: Well do you think that your mindset led to how people around you accepted you? because I think of inclusion uh, not only physical inclusion like the ADA, like actual, being able to get into a building, being able to use the restroom, to help you do things in a physical environment—how were you accepted in your life, just in social socially with people?
2: I was, I was always accepted. You know, honestly, I never really got bullied. People would say things, but I've always learned how to be funny, and I think I've always been good at speaking. And so, generally, you you don't want to attack somebody who's who's kind of good with words because um, <laughs> I, I, I fire back. So I, as a mechanism, always learned comedy and always learned how to break the ice. Um, and I think that that's something that, uh, that I learned as being the only little person um, naturally. And I think that was probably a combination of my family and my brothers being funny and uh, my family being supportive and my school being supportive. And they were always there to provide stools, to lower lights, uh, to do things. But also, I would say my, my parents, something that was great about them is my mom was always like, look, if you want to wash your hands, you got to go get a stool or you should climb and figure out how to get this out of the cabinet." Uh, so she kind of helped push me off the, um, you know, area where I, I, I needed to be uh, fully reliant on them. So she, she she, did a good job in making sure I stayed as independent as I could, but also uh, making sure the school was, was kind of there to do other things that I needed help with.
0: So you've come to Liam's school and you've uh, spoken to the students for a couple years. And one thing that you do talk about, you tell stories about your mom and her advocacy. And I think this is a really great time for you to tell that story because the parents who are listening, the people who are listening, they're, they're all advocates, right? So now from your point of view, can you just share with us a little bit about your mom's advocacy?
2: Yes. Yeah, so, um, My mom, as I said, was very supportive, um, and she really kind of let me uh, live my life on my own terms, Um, but she was also very supportive with the school, Uh, and actually, my first day of school, she actually came to school with me, and she passed out pamphlets to all the kids. She's like, here you go, here you go, here you go, this is my son, he's a little person, read the pamphlets, you know, and so she was very... (laughs) It's supportive, but was there to kind of help break the ice with me, uh, my first day of school, and not everybody had that. And you know, I may not have needed that, but it also made me feel confident. Um, and we passed a book out of uh, to all the kids of what being a little person is, and so that was pretty cool. And ultimately, I I, I think that kids once they're able to ask their question or find out their answer, you're little, why are you little? Oh, you're just little. Okay. Then they're moving on to like, what's your favorite color? (laughs) You know, so I think kids' attention or, you know, the bullying, sometimes it's a lot of it is they just don't understand and, and they're kind of afraid by their lack of knowledge. But then once they get that knowledge or they understand the situation, then they're like, oh, he's just a normal kid, you know, so I, I think that that's, that's an interesting, uh, dynamic, and, and now through the film challenge, as I said, we have hundreds of films that are created, I really have developed a friendship with, uh, a friendship or an acquaintance, or just gotten to know so many of the families of, film challenge participants that some sometimes like you and, you know, your son has down syndrome and I've gotten to know you guys through the process. And, and it's not just you. I mean, there's countless film challenge uh, participants that I've really gotten to know and see firsthand how they interact. And, and also it's just interesting to see how kids interact with other kids and seeing kids with disabilities at screenings. How does the public interact with them? And so that's always something interesting to me. And, you know, I, I, my wife's a little person. I'm a little person. I've been going to little people conventions my whole life. So my exposure to the disability community started with just little people. And then through the film challenge, that net widened in a big way. But I, I love giving back and working with kids and talking with kids. I go to little people conventions. I coach kids' basketball games, and I feel like I'm like Pat Riley out there, You know, I get really intense, and I'm like, come on, we got to win, you know, I'm that, but I love that, you know, and, and it's interesting. And I think even something else, you know, knowing you and knowing Liam, uh, this is a story that, that was actually very interesting. Uh, a friend of a friend, I heard them talking about this experience, and they know because of my film challenge uh, and how much I'm embedded into the disability community, they were saying that their their son, uh, who was a little kid, I think he was about four years old or five years old, somewhere around there, he was in school and he goes to this school and it's I think it's like nursery school or daycare with a, another boy with Down syndrome. And he was saying, oh, well, I don't like this boy because... You know, he bites me, and you know he does this or that, and you're not supposed to do that. So he's a bad kid. And it was interesting because this, you know, friend or friend of a friend was was saying, no, that's he's not a bad, you know, and and kind of had the first conversation that not everybody is the same, and that they just do things in a different way, and this is not, you know, uh, the whole concept of what's good? What's bad? Is this a bad boy? No, he's not a bad boy. He's he's done things differently. That's how he does. And so I think that's that's interesting.
0: Uh, that leads a little bit into you said when you go to the to the screenings in the disability film challenge, you see how the public responds or reacts to disability. What do you see?
2: Uh, well, the cool thing about the film challenge is we screen all over the country and all over the world. And so I think in Los Angeles we're exposed to many more. You know, it, you're you're gonna see more people with disabilities or more just representation in general in bigger cities because there's just more people. But when you go to smaller towns, sometimes they're just not used to seeing a, a little person necessarily. So. I've seen it from my own point of view where people are staring or, or laughing or joking or have comments about me, but I definitely, you know, and I don't care. I'm 38 years old. I'm comfortable who I am. I'm nothing has ever really bothered me. And luckily that's always been the way I've been. Um, but it's interesting to see this happen to some film challenge participants, uh, some with physical disabilities, some with cognitive um, Sometimes people won't know that somebody has a disability because certain disabilities are more visible than others. So it's interesting to see people interact at a movie theater and stare or ask a question or maybe say a comment that's inappropriate. And I I am an optimist at heart. So I generally feel that a lot of times People don't do this because they're truly bad people. You know, they just don't understand or they're just not exposed to it. So, again, this is why it's so important to have content that people could see that they could resonate with. For Game of Thrones to be there and to have somebody see Peter Dinklage in a three dimensional role be the boss and the leader, it kind of changes the way you think of little people when you see them. And I think the same thing for other people with disabilities, when people see them on screen, it really changes their perception of that disability and destigmatizes disability as a whole. And I'm honored that through the film challenge that has happened. You know, uh, I think the biggest way that's happened has been through the awareness campaign when all filmmakers are sharing their films at the same time and through their social channels and asking their friends and families to do it and getting on the local news. And it's reaching millions of people. And so then they're going, ah, oh, you know, I, I, I started watching that film and I didn't know that about your son or that was really cool about your daughter. Or, oh yeah, I didn't even think of that. So, and, and I think the other thing is when we're going to these cities and we're doing these screenings, we're exposing people to disability, which is important. We're just there. We, when you're there, when you're part of society, then you're not worried about it. But it's when when you're seeing things from afar, then you have a certain perception of what disability is.
1: Well, you use that word exposure, and that's just what the Easter Seals Disability Film Challenge does, and that's what's needed. It's the lock that opens the door to inclusion. I was thinking of some past episodes we've had of uh, Sadr Isa and his dad who has Down syndrome. I think of Chris Nickick, who is a gentleman with Down syndrome who ran a half Ironman. He's actually attempting an Iron, a full Ironman in November. And those things open up. In fact, in that episode, I talked about uh, once someone broke the four-minute mile, it then just happened. It became almost commonplace where it, it would happen multiple times. The first person to, you know, Sir, Sir Edmund Hillary uh, getting to Everest, and then it opens the floodgates, right? So what what in your life or who in your life did you see that, that was that exposure and that you saw that you said, wow, I see this and, and now maybe I, I can do it, especially I think of you getting into the inter- entertainment industry. Who did you see? Who were you exposed to?
2: You know, I think part of it was I was always kind of good at doing accents and things like that. And I had an English teacher that – was like, you know, you, you're you good at doing this kind of stuff. And I was kind of in a funk. This was in junior high. Uh, I used to be an athlete, and I loved playing sports, and physically I just couldn't play them anymore. Um, certainly not with people that were double my size and starting to get very kind of aggressive and physical. Uh, so she recommended that I try out for the school play. And so I give Miss Fish and I... Uh, my English teacher in junior high—a big credit for giving me a push um, out there to to start with entertainment. And then, you know, I saw it was a couple other things. I saw Work Davis and Willow as a as a kid, and I saw myself as like a hero. I saw Danny Woodburn, who is such a great person and activist for people with disabilities. He's a film challenge judge, and he does a lot of amazing work with the uh, Ruderman Family Foundation. And with all these different organizations. And he's a little person that was acting in Seinfeld. And that was my favorite show, um, you know, from junior high to through high school. And so getting to see him in my favorite show, and he's a little person, and he's being funny. That was a huge uh, milestone. But a lot of times, you know, if, you, if you're a disabled artist out there, or or you're, you know, a parent of somebody with a disability and you're thinking about trying to expose your your child uh, into the arts, um, a lot of it is just get out there. It's it's trial. You know, you got to just jump in the deep end, uh, just dive in and start doing it. Uh, people, not even just people with disabilities, but people in general are always asking me, how do I get into stand-up comedy? And I say, just go and do it. You got to just do it. Um, personally, that I feel like there's no learning for that. I mean, there certainly is with acting. You know, you could take classes and training, and I'm still training and learning as I go. Uh, same thing with writing and other uh, things in the entertainment industry. But a lot of it is just just get up there, and it's learning on the on the job. And as people with disabilities, uh, you know, know that the industry is looking for you. And, uh, just, just get out there and, and, uh, start trying to act, uh, do something with your brother, with your sister, with your mom, make it a YouTube thing, uh, register for the Easter sales disability film challenge, uh, just work leads to work, but you gotta get out there and you gotta be exposed to the arts and to the world. And I think beyond the entertainment industry, uh, you know, you, you were talking about that episode, um, that you with the the gentleman from Syria and his dad you know is working in a factory. Um, and so it's, you know, there's jobs out there. Whatever whatever the job is, um, whether you have a physical or or a cognitive disability, try to try to get opportunities to 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 work anywhere. Because again, you know, work leads to work. And if you're out there and you're, you know, doing a job or, or doing something that you're passionate about. You'll get better and you'll get more opportunities.
0: You had said being a part of society and we are a part of society, but it's not always a welcomed or a given thing, I think because of, you know, historically, and I think we're trying to now change things as a society to change the mindset, but nobody has to give that to you. You don't have to ask for that. You are a part of society. You are a human in this human race. And I think that's I think that's so important and I think it's so amazing what your mom, you know, with her advocating or with her pushing you to that you didn't have a limit. If you want to get that, you go get that. Like it definitely instilled something in you which is such a gift. What would you say you learned from watching your mom Advocate
2: I would say, uh, what I learned and, and mind you, I'm not a parent um, you know yet I mean I, I think at some point um, that's kind of something that we uh, you know that may happen, but I think also I, I learned from my mom to to give people space, but be there, you know, be there if you need to be, but also let people figure out things for themselves um you know but but I'm you know it wasn't like I was raised in like a a wolf den where she's like you can find your own blanket <laughs> you know she was definitely like a very supportive and loving and nurturing mom um but I think it's important to go to public school uh to be is a part of everything as uh your child feels comfortable being a part of Um, because you want to do everything, you know, I wanted to do everything that everybody else did. And that was me that wanted to do that. So, you know, I think she was just supportive in me kind of doing dumb stuff. I probably shouldn't have ever played basketball. I mean, why? I'm so short. I have so many physical problems, but I was like, I, I want to do this. I want to play for university of Notre Dame football. And I'm like, you know, the shortest person in like the history of where I'm from. So, you know, I think let everyone live their dreams and do what they want to do and, and just be supportive.
0: Do you have any advice as to what made you to where you're, you're not bothered by inappropriateness? That's the only way I can say it is, Uh, you know, what, cause I, I love your spark and your flame and I love your attitude. I remember when you came to school and And I think a a boy asked you, he was kindergarten. So that's what you're saying about kids who just don't know. And I think through obviously inclusion and an inclusive classroom and being exposed, it's not this strange thing to see someone who's different from us. And I remember a boy asked if you were magical and you just go, no, (laughs) I'm not, I forget what you, I forget what your answer was, but I know one kid asked if you were a leprechaun. And if you had gold coins, because it, it, it sparked this whole thing where one kid asked a question and then they all jumped and they were not malicious at all. Because I think if it was malicious, it would have been something different. It was just this, like, what? He's what? He does. And you handled it with such such grace that I was inspired. And I put a little bit of that in my pocket to remember to take pause
2: Well, one, I I would say one big piece of advice for people with disabilities and also for family members of people with disabilities is you exert way more energy than needed by being upset and and being like, I'm going to fight everybody all the time. You know, you can't. It's certain you got to just have a certain mindset where you're like, "Ah, you know, I'm going to live my life and I, I like who I am or, you know, I'm. You know, and sometimes you know there are times that are hard, where you're like, you know, there are certain days where I'm like, ah, not today, and that's okay too. It can't, no one is just fully perfect all the time. But I would just say to be okay with it and and to brush it off because it, it's kind of like now being a thirty eight year old guy. When I was in junior high or you know high school, I was like, man, I. I need to get a girl and I'm, you know, I'm not dating or, you know, this is so hard. And I thought that was like the biggest deal in the world. And in the end, you're like, oh, it's not really a big deal and who cares? And, you know, so let these things brush off your shoulder because you can't put too much weight in it. So it's got to be in the mindset uh, of the person with a disability just go, man, you know, that guy just doesn't understand that girl there. You know, especially with kids, kids don't understand yet. It takes kids time to process. Um, and I would say to, to some extent, to some parents, you know, let kids be kids and let them ask questions. And don't, don't hide the kid's question or try to shelter your child from uh, experiences. Let them have these experiences where sometimes kids will ask a question in school Or say something which your child may not like, but that's life. That's not going to, you know, end uh, when you you leave the second grade or third grade or fourth grade. But what can stay is a mindset to say who cares or to to brush it off or to have fun with situations. You know, sometimes, you know, now you have all these things. You can go on YouTube and watch the Dalai Lama talk or you can see (laughs) all these different things that weren't there when I was a kid. But. What was there is just going, you know, that's okay. Who cares? You know, and so it, it ends up being a mindset, you know, and uh, life's never perfect, and it's not perfect for everybody, you know. So I think there's a lot of people who are like, oh, if I could only be like Johnny or Jenny or, or Louise, then everything would be perfect. But there is no perfect. They're going through their own moments, uh, challenges, issues, uh, things they're overcoming in their own life. So just stay the course and, and believe in that you're good and, and that you belong everywhere and that, uh, you know, you have just as much of a right to be there and, as anyone else. And, you know, but also just also try to have a, a thick skin because you got to in life. And I think that's not just for the disability community. That's for everybody. You know, not everyone's going to say the things that you want to hear all the time.
1: That's true. You have to have thick skin. You, you, there's times to stand up for yourself, but you, you can't take everything so personal. And, and you you really do a great job with that. And I, I saw that firsthand too when we were at school. And you just um, you just made it right.
2: Watch well, like? You, I go to the school and there's like a kindergarten that beats me up, and you're like, he's so good at this, and he's he's great. And when he gets, <laughs> and then I just get beat up by like a first grader, and they're like, I told you, you're a leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny because it's funny the uh you know all these different things uh you know now with these virtual festivals and virtual shows i'm telling jokes and i don't hear anyone laughing because they're on mute or they're you know now i'm I'm gonna do stand up in, in cars people are gonna be in their cars to drive in theaters and so it's You got to get used to even this where you're you're telling a joke and no one is responding because literally they can't. They're muted or they're inside, you know, socially distant. So (laughs) this is definitely a time that we will remember forever. And, uh, you know, I I can't thank you guys enough for having me on and for all the work that you do and the support of the Easter Seals Disability Film Challenge, the disability community. And, and just uh, for you guys being great parents and great people that are really uh, um, amazing members of society and that uh, give Liam a, a chance to live the best kind of coolest version of the life he wants to live.
1: We know last episode we asked you an If We Knew Then question about the film festival. Do you have one f- uh, personally, just something you wish you knew in the past?
2: I think it's important to fail, it's important to learn by error. So in my own life, I think even as being a little person, it was important for me to get picked on in certain situations. It was important for me to live the life experiences that I lived. Uh, if I would say anything, if I wish I knew then, now, I guess maybe in junior high, I'd be like, ah, I'd, I'd find a, an amazing wife, you know, and, uh, perfect girl for me you know when i was going through a time where i was like ah you know there's no one you know it's hard i can't date no one likes me you know that normal junior high kind of period um i think i would tell myself it'll work out
0: i love your if you knew then because i i honestly sophia's in middle school and middle school is hard yeah And if you could go back, I think that that's the, that's the person we need to talk to is the person in middle school who's come out of the, you know, the honeymoon of elementary school where everything is hope. And you get into those changes with these, all these strangers and everybody's trying to figure it out. And I think that's a good person to talk to, to say, you know what, you're going to be okay. And we, we met your wife. I would say definitely worth waiting for. Right. And if you knew that that's what was coming up, then you, that would have, that would have made it all,
1: no, it all worked out.
2: I think though, I think going back to this that failures <laughs> and down moments are important. You know, it can't, I think sometimes we're living in this time where we just think everything should be perfect, 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 perfect. perfect. And I think you need kind of downswings to make yourself happy, you know, to, you can't be all leveled at perfect, 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 you know, so as crazy as junior high was, and as much of a down period as it was, I think it's important for me, uh, and I think it's important for everybody <laughs> to have those awkward, awful kind of moments where you're all like going through puberty and like people are awkward and yeah, you're not the big fish anymore. You're the small fish. And I think, I I think those are important.
1: Yeah, we were talking to someone about that just not long ago. Actually, it was an episode just talking about grief and that how important that is in your life. You need that, um, and it's part of of joy. It's all goes together. Absolutely, Nick. Again, a pleasure to have you on the podcast and get to know you a little bit better, my friend.
2: Ah, uh, thanks so much for having me and for all the amazing work you guys do on the film challenge films and in the disability community.
1: Oh, thank
0: you. And your attitude and grace at how you handle things are inspiring. And I want to have a little bit more of that. I'm always trying and learning. And I think, you know, it is it is that constant change in our journey and in our experience. And I learned from you things that especially just letting things roll off your back to not have to carry everything, but then to also embrace the challenges. I love that because there's nothing that's been wasted. And if I can if I can keep that and carry that into my days when, when I do experience those challenges, I will be uh, better off.
2: Thank you so much. Please
1: follow us on Twitter at If we knew then Pod, and you can drop us a line on our Facebook page at If we knew then Pod, or visit our website ifwenewthen.com to send us an email with questions and comments,